Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. This episode, I'm interviewed by the amazing Ian Wilson. Ian is a member, a long-standing member of our Mastermind programs um, and his podcast, Coalface Stories, is all about stories from the coalface. You're going to hear me sharing some stories that maybe I wouldn't always share and maybe um, hear a few of the trials and tribulations that I've been through in the process of building my empire. So uh, enjoy. Hopefully you get a lot from it. Thank you for taking time out of your bedroom schedule for this chat. Yeah, let's go for it. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, lovely. So, what does your ideal morning routine look like? Oh, what does my ideal morning routine look like? So, interesting question. Fully enough, I, I asked a guest that very question on my podcast last week. Um, so, I, I do think it's a great question because I know for for me anyway, like, over the years, it's kind of the answer to that question's kind of changed, evolved. Um, and I do think that, you know, having yourself set up for success in the morning, you know, makes a big difference on the overall effectiveness that you have throughout the day. So, um, for me personally, um, I get up at quarter past six. I eat straight away because, um, I need to fuel my body for training, for movement. Um, if I try and exercise without eating first, it's an absolute disaster. So, um, get up at quarter past six, get dressed, eat breakfast, um, and, uh, hydrate, drive to the gym. On the way to the gym, I'm normally listening to an audiobook or a podcast, putting good stuff, good information, uh, inspirational or informative stuff into my brain. Um, do an hour workout in the gym. In the car on the way home, again, um, listening to audiobook, podcast, something like that. Um, and then, you know, get uh, showered, dressed, fed, and at the office for 9.30. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, in a world of superheroes, what would your superpower be? Um, that's a great question. Is this like, what do I think my superpower is, or what superpower would I like to have? Either. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with both. So, I think, I think my superpower probably is I do think it's it's always really awkward when you get asked a question like this because I don't want to answer and sound like arrogant up myself. But I, I think I do believe what I'm particularly good at is um, building relationships, connections, rapport, like having a conversation with someone um, and being able to uh, immediately find um, a connection, uh, that kind of thing. I do that particularly well. I think... Um, what I'd like my superpower to be in a world of superheroes, like, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like, flying's cool, clearly. It'd be cool to be able to just fly wherever you want. But I, I think that the superpower I'd like most would be the ability to make time stand still because I'd get so much more done. Like, the biggest problem, especially when you start to have any kind of success in business, the biggest problem is always time. Um, and, you know, the the just... Never seems to be enough hours in the day, e even when, like, you know, my, my weekends where it's family time, even that just flies by. And I'm like, it'd be cool to be able to, like, make time stand still and then just do more in the time that we've got. Do more, you know, have more time with my kids, taking them to football, playing golf, 
watching TV, doing what we love to do, watching films, going to the cinema. It'd be cool to be able to have more time to do that without losing any actual time, if that makes sense. Same thing with business. I'm like, it'd be cool to have, to be able to slow everything down and, you know, instead of be able to do, you know, one podcast interview here with you today and a bunch of calls with clients and meetings with my team and, and stuff like that, it'd be cool to just be able to get twice as much in to the short space of time that we have. Um, yeah, I think that'd be my superpower. Great. Right. If you could invite three amazing dinner guests, anyone throughout history, who would they be? Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, that's really hard because, like, obviously there's different areas of your life, right? So part of me goes, um, you know, people that I could pick the brains of from a business perspective. Part of me goes, like, just cool people that I'd love to hang out with and meet. So I'd probably go for a mix. So I think I think like um, for me personally, just because you know, um, well, you know this Ian, but your listeners might not. I've been around the kind of personal development world since I was a kid, um, and I attended my first ever kind of personal development event when I was twelve, and I went to a Tony uh, Tony Robbins seminar. So I'd, it'd be very cool to have Tony Robbins for dinner, just because you know he's still in our industry, the leader. The, you know, the, the person that seems to be reaching the most people, making the biggest impact, playing the biggest game. Um, I'd love to have Tony Robbins for dinner. And then I think the others would be like definitely somebody from the world of football because I'm a massive football fan, as you know, Ian, big Aston Villa fan, um, which tends to be quite a uh, topsy-turvy journey. One minute we're brilliant, the next minute we're absolutely diabolical. Um but yeah, I'd, I'd love to have someone from the world of football. So um, I suppose my generation, um, you know, Beckham was like the hero. And, you know, and I think, you know, he's uh, he's created a pretty cool personal brand for himself. So definitely Beckham as well. Um, who would the third one be? So I've got somebody from the... I, I think I'd probably go... I'd probably go business again and probably go like Richard Branson. Just also not only um, not only because I think he's a very very savvy and smart businessman, but I, I do think um, I do like his his values and what he stands for, and I think you know he's very um, you know I'm sure 2020 has been very challenging for him um, running you know a huge airline and the travel industry has been decimated, but it'd be fascinating to pick his brains on how he deals with problems and challenges like that, and I know that you know he, his values are very much around the people, the staff, the team, the culture, which I'm very similar in that respect. So I think I'd like to pick his brains on that. Yeah, I don't think you get a word in edgeways between them three. Maybe not. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't get a word in edgeways with me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I believe that Robbins would take over. I think, actually, I think Beckham, Branson, they're actually fairly, even though you know, I'm sure Branson can, can mix it, he, he's actually fairly low-key, isn't he? He's not like a... like big high energy talks a lot shouts and screams kind of guy he's quite quite um quite subtle so yeah i think it'd be an interesting dinner yes i think it would be where did the inspiration for your flagship event uh expert empires come from yeah well i mean i suppose um as i already mentioned i've been around kind of personal development and uh attended my first tony robbins seminar when i was just a kid and i kind of grew up in that world you know i, I did a, a lot of traveling all over the world, um, attending those events and then, you know, worked for a training company in London where I did sales and speaking and some marketing for them. 
I mean, I've been running events on my own since 2008, but the first ever Expert Empires event was 2017. And the inspiration really came. There was a couple of things. One was that I kind of felt that the UK events industry had kind of changed um, and had stopped being about creating, you know, amazing experiences for people and, and educating and inspiring. And it'd become a lot more about making sales. And so there was a lot of events that were like free or very low cost to attend. But basically there was very little substance delivered in terms of value and content. It was very much about the sale. And so, you know, the, the vision for Expert Empires was creating something that would, yes, of course, be commercially viable because, you know, we're not a charity. It needs to make money. It can't be losing money. Um, but also that was really geared towards creating massive value to delivering great content and the, you know, any sales results would be secondary. And so, um, that was the vision behind Expert Empires and actually the inspiration for it. I mean, as I said, I've been traveling all over the world and um, investing time and money and energy in, in my education for a very long time. Um, I was very fortunate as a, as a kid, you know, my mum financed that, which I'm very, very blessed and very grateful for. Um, but, you know, in, in my, my late teens, early 20s and, and throughout my life, you know, I've invested a lot in my development. Um, and actually, more recently, probably like the last five, 10 years, um, I've been going to a lot of business events in the States to learn from who I see as the, the best um, minds and the best speakers in the world. Um, and it, it kind of, I felt it was a shame that I had to keep going to the States to get around these people and learn from them. And, and not only, you know, see these speakers, but also be in, in, in a environment, in a community where it was, you know, full of people who were playing a bigger game. Um, and so the vision really, and, and the big inspiration was an amazing event called Traffic and Conversion Summit, um, which a friend of mine, Ryan Dice, runs, uh, runs that event every single year uh, in San Diego. And I've, I've attended that, I think, for the last five years on the bounce. Um, but what I love about that event is that, A, it attracts a really high caliber of attendee. So, you know, for me, uh, as somebody who runs a multi-seven-figure business, I don't feel that I am anywhere near the smartest person attending that event, which which is great because I want to be around people that I can learn from and, and partner with and, and be inspired by. You know, you don't want to go to an event and be the smartest person in the room all the time. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is that, you know, it's high value, high content, very little pitching or selling from the stage at all, yet it's very commercially viable. Um, and so really, the you know, the inspiration for Expert Empires was to create what is essentially the Traffic and Conversion Summit for the UK. And, uh, and as, you, as you probably know, Ryan Dice actually came and spoke at the first ever Expert Empires, and he's been back and spoken at another one since. Um, and, you know, he's also opened many doors to, to other speakers in the US for us to bring them over. So I'm forever grateful to him, for first of all, for the inspiration and second of all, for the support that he's given our events. Um, but yeah, I, th I think often when you come up with a new idea, as I did with Expert Empires and kind of disrupted industry, it's about, um, it's about thinking, well, where's the gap? What's, what's the, I felt that there was a, there was a kind of a, a feeling, a theme in the industry of people becoming really frustrated that they weren't able to, um, 
they were attending events and just getting pitched, 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 not getting any value. And so it found it felt like that that was the right time to disrupt and shake the market up. And I knew I was onto a winner because a lot of people, a lot of my competitors told me it was a bad idea. And if your competitors tell you it's a bad idea, um, either they're right and you're going to lose a load of money, or in my case, my gut instinct was they knew that this was going to disrupt and probably affect their business, and it did. Um, and so, you know, I, I, even though a lot of people were telling me it was a bad idea, my gut instinct was that this is, this is you know, something that's going to create waves and make a difference here in the UK, and, uh, and it did, and it's been very successful since. Yeah, definitely uh, a powerful event, and you, your whole team comes from a place of love and service to the attendees. That's something I've noticed being there. It's a great atmosphere to be around and you like a party as well. Yeah, thank you. And and I think, you know, I was very, as I said, very fortunate to have to have learned from the best. You know, I, I was at Tony Robbins events for the last 25 years. So I know, um, not recently to be clear, but, you know, for, for throughout my teens and early 20s, um, traveling all over the world. And, you know, one thing is for sure, Tony knows how to host an event um, and create a world-class experience. So for me, when we created Expert Empires, it was about work, like high-quality world-class experience that people love and they want to come back and be in that environment. Secondly, delivering amazing, up-to-date, cutting-edge content, information, and training that will really support people's businesses. And then thirdly, how can we do that in a way that's commercially viable? Um, so, you know, it, it's, I think, thank you for saying that. You know, we do come from a, a absolutely from a place of, love and service but i also think it's worth saying that just coming from a love a place of love and service doesn't necessarily guarantee business success you've got to do that i think that a lot of play, a lot of people in our industry come from a place of love and service but fail because they're not using they're not making smart business decisions so you know when we created that model it was you know tickets are sold at a what i feel is a fair and reasonable price they're a lot more expensive than what you might pay for other events um, but I think it's a fair and reasonable price in exchange for the value you get. We we have um, a lot of sponsors and uh, partners that support the event financially, which means that we can afford to spend a lot of money on spe- getting the best speakers in the world to fly over. You know, we pay substantial fees. We pay their travel. Um, you know, we also don't skimp on costs for the event. We have, a, you know, real top draw venue. And, you know, we can afford to push the boat out and, and invest in a world-class experience because, We've got the financial backing to do it. And I think, you know, it's all well and good trying to love and serve people, but you also need a smart business model around it in order to be able to do that at the highest level. Yeah, that's something uh, that is plainly evident, and it was definitely evident in your uh, Bumps on Seat boot camp that you uh, used to run. And I should imagine a lot of listeners might recognize you from there because I think that helped you position you as the your business as the go-to person for coaches and entrepreneurs, experts to create uh, profitable business events. Yeah, and I mean, the Bums on Seats Bootcamp, we, we've been running that for quite a number of years. I think the first one was probably like 2013, something like that. So that was a, that was a part of our, haven't run them for, for a while now, but that was kind of one of our, early flagship events um and again you know you know my philosophy and when you're starting out you're trying to make a name for yourself as i was you got to try and find something that you specialize in and for me since i started writing copy for clients in 2008 
staff and then running my own events and then running launches for clients and consulting um, with with clients on on marketing strategy. The one thing that I always had done very well was worked out how to promote and fill and run profitable events. And so the Bums on Seats Bootcamp really was a very niched, specific offering that, that I could bring to the market, which no one else was doing. I, I, I still to this day don't know of anybody, certainly not in the UK, that teaches how to run successful live events. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of like my, my little sweet spot, and that was the thing that I became known for. Um, and because I became known for it, I would get, and by the way, um, you know, throughout 2020, this hasn't happened because no one's running events, but, you know, up until this year, I would regularly consistently get emails, messages on Facebook, on LinkedIn. People would phone our office and say, hey, I got this event coming up. I need some advice on marketing or sales or how to fill it or how to get bums on seats or anything like that, any variation of that. Um, and they would come to us. Like we would attract people. We'd, we'd get people coming to us and asking how to do it because we owned that space in the market. And probably, like I said, you know, still to a certain extent do, even though I don't run the bums on seats bootcamp anymore. I don't promote any of that stuff anymore, but still we own that space because no one else has. Would it be possible to give the listener just in case they're not familiar with you and your journey, a brief overview of your business journey so far? I know you've touched on little bits there. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, you know, we've we've touched on the fact that I um, I was very fortunate to go to – my mum invited me to a Tony Robbins event when I was 12, um, 1994, I think it was. And, uh, um, you know, at that point, you know, I didn't really know anything about this world at all. But, uh, you know, it was it was a great opportunity and I figured – uh, it, by the way, it was in Hawaii, so I had the chance to go to Hawaii for two weeks, which isn't so sorry and sad, is it? Um, so off we went, and and you know, like many people, I'm sure many of your listeners can recall their first exposure to personal development. You know, learning about business growth. Maybe it's a podcast you listen to. Maybe it's a book you read. An event you attended. For me, it was that uh, that event with Tony uh, in Hawaii, and you know, from that point on, I I, I always knew that I wanted to have a career in this industry. And I didn't, uh, you know, at that that point, I didn't have any idea how I was going to do that. I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, I I hadn't even thought as far ahead as it being my own business. It was like, you know, I want to effectively, I mean, if you'd have asked me at that age, I probably would have just said, yeah, I want to work for Tony Robbins. Like that would have been cool because, you know, I get to do what I love. I get to be around amazing people. I get paid for it. That's pretty amazing. And of course, you know, what's transpired since then is um, I actually went and worked for, uh, a company in the UK, which was kind of like a mini Tony Robbins type company. They ran personal development events, NLP training, that kind of thing. Um, learned the ropes about how to sell and market and deliver um, training of that sort. And then in 2008, set up my own business, started doing it myself. Um, and, you know, to start off with, I was effectively selling um, time for money. I was providing a service um, in exchange for fees. And then, you know, as, as things started to grow, it, it then was a more scalable model, started running my own events, my own trainings in 2009. Um, and, you know, for the last 11 years, I've been running events from, you know, we've had as few as two people come to an event and as many as 1,400 come to an event and everything in between. So, uh, yeah, run a lot of events. Work with a lot of clients today, uh, as you know, Ian, because you remember we run 
three different mastermind group programs, um, f- specifically for expert business owners. So coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, authors, agency owners, anyone that's got a business based upon their expertise, um, you know, or that they're, they're selling intangible services, they're selling transformation, I suppose, in some way, shape or form, maybe in health, fitness, finance, business growth, you name it, uh, mindset, any of those things. Um, so yeah, uh, the masterminds are now our kind of core, core business, core offering. Um, yeah, we've got kicking on for 200 members, clients in our various different programs. And uh, yeah, absolutely love what we do. I think that's most important is that you love coming to work each day and you love what you do. Yeah. And talking to your team, everyone is like that. They're totally inf- infused about work the and their whole experience. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think as as things have grown and, and developed, you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, I, I love nothing more than being on stage in front of a, a room of people. Um, uh, and, you know, that's that's an amazing feeling. And I love creating um, energy in an event like an Expert Empires event, for example. And that said, um, the thing that actually gives me most most joy, most fulfillment now, um, as much as I love the events and running masterminds and working with clients, I do. Um, building the team and creating opportunities for um, for people that, you know, right now, let's face it, in 2020, the, uh, the economy is in a precarious position and people are losing their jobs. I think, you know, building a business that creates opportunities for people to work in a great environment, earn a living, develop themselves personally and professionally, you know, that, that to me, um, that's the thing that gives me the most fulfillment, the most joy of everything that I do. Following on from that, what would you say are the three to five core essentials for anyone that wants to build a great business which inspires their passion? Yeah, okay. I mean, I think, yeah, I think first of all, you know, you've got – you got to get clear on what it is you love to do. Um, and I think the first piece, the first principle really is when you start in a business to find a way to become the specialist in an area. So as I said, you know, for me, my first business in 2008, I wrote copy. So sales letters, emails, marketing campaigns for people who were NLPers and coaches, very specialized. Um, Later on, as you mentioned, you know, I started teaching clients how to run successful events through our Bums on Seats Bootcamp. Again, a very specific, specialized training. Um, I think there's too many people out there who are very, um, you know, I ran an event yesterday and there was a girl attending who's a newly qualified yoga instructor. She was based in Essex, I believe. I was like, well, how many yoga instructors are there in Essex? I mean, she didn't know, but I'm like, it's in the hundreds, right? Probably even in the low thousands, potentially. I go, that is a lot of competition. So how do you stand out in a crowded market? You've got to do something different to your competitors. So I think the first thing is when you're starting out, you've got to be a specialist. The, the next thing um, we'll call this principle number two, like you've got to be prepared to work your network, your contacts. So, you know, the chances are, I believe that anyone can start a successful business doing something they love just by being a specialist and working their network, their current contacts, their, you know, the people they already know. But they've got to be prepared to do that and then stick with it. The third thing is, I think, with any business, 
more important than funnels and running ads and having branding and a fancy office and staff and any of those things, more important than anything is sales. Like when you start, you got to sell some stuff. Um, so, you know, learning how to sell, how to close, and then also putting an appropriate amount of your time and energy into sales activity. There's too many people that, you know, they want to, they want to do a little video on Facebook or build a nice website and that's it. They think that's marketing or sales done and they're not willing to do the grunt work. They're not willing to roll their sleeves up, get on the phone, um, you know, go to networking meetings, speak to potential clients, close business, follow up on opportunities. They're not prepared to do that. And I think that for me, when you're starting, is the most important thing um, is, is sales activity. I'd be devoting at least a third of your day-to-day work on sales personally those are my three i could keep going with more but those those are my first three and i think for startups or early stage business owners those are three things i'd focus on Mm -hmm. quite a few of this podcast audience are just starting out on their entrepreneurial journey and taking steps to following their dreams and passions Mm -hmm. do you think it's important for them to find a coach and a mentor to help them navigate the ups and downs i've always invested in you know as i said since i was 12 years of age um invested in personal growth personal development learning um alternative learning to mainstream education um and you know right now i even now you know at the stage in business we are i have uh, a business coach i am a member of two mastermind programs um, I still invest in, you know, expertise in other areas of my life. You know, I've got a personal trainer, um, that kind of thing. So I, I think it's important. I don't think it's mandatory. Like you could, um, I, I interviewed, uh, Lord Sugar for, um, uh, on stage at one of my events and somebody in the audience actually asked a similar question and he was like, no, <laughs> he was like, no, I've never had a coach. I've never had a business coach or a mentor. And that, and but then what transpired was he went. Well, I suppose in the early days, you know, what the, some of my competitors, I, I looked at what they did and learned, and and you know that they they inspired me to push harder and grow. And you know, uh, I think he, he mentioned that when he started Amstrad, there was you know there was a, a certain competitor who had been in business longer than him who. Kind, kind of took him under their wing a little bit and showed him the ropes. And he went, and then I outgrew him and there was nothing left for me to learn from them. So I think, look, obviously in, in with what I do, clearly I'm going to say, yes, it's crucial for you to have a coach, a mentor, um, to, to find people that can support you uh, and, and um, inspire you and educate you. Um, of course, I'm going to say that because that's what we do. And it's also what I've always done. That said, there are plenty of successful business owners that you could find as examples who have had success without that. So I don't think it's impossible to succeed without it. What I would say is that you increase your chances of success significantly and reduce the likelihood of you failing or or, or struggling uh, and making it easier to navigate the bumps in the road when you have somebody or a place where you can get support. Yeah, I think support's really crucial because uh, it can be a lonely place, especially if you've just come from the world of 
work where you've got people managing you and uh, even as bosses you've got your clients managing you it's uh, it's quite important to have even just someone as a sounding board i think yeah it's perspective isn't it i think it's good to to get perspective from the outside because when you're in it often you know you can't you can't make decisions you're biased when you're thinking about what you should or shouldn't do within your own business sometimes it's good to have somebody who can look from the outside in and give a different perspective and so whether that's a formal coaching mentoring arrangement uh, or whether you've got informal uh, uh, you know people that you that you speak with that you connect with that you work with you know either or but I, th- I do think it it dramatically increases your chances of success and um, I suppose not only increases your chances but increases the speed with which you can grow and succeed as businesses grow and develop how important is it to have a defined set of core values yeah um well i think i think the for me i i was in business for probably let me think probably five years um and i was you know so probably circa 2013 i'd had a relative amount of success was very good at sales and marketing we were good at getting clients we were making some money things were going good but I'd kind of hit a bit of a ceiling and um, we were at the kind of low to mid six figure level in terms of annual revenue. Um, And I didn't really know why, but we couldn't seem to push for any further growth. It was like we were stuck for a couple of years. Um, So I think, you know, probably 2012, 2013 was a bit stuck really. Um, And it was the, the, the catalyst for us then, growing very quickly to seven figures and multi seven figures was to um, really get clear on what the vision was for the business. So what I was very good at was coming up with new ideas and implementing them. Um, so, but I was always very short term in my focus. So I'd, I'd go to an event in America or I'd learn something from a coach or a mentor and I'd come to my team and say, right, we're doing this. We would do it. It'd work. We'd make some money. And then a few weeks later, I'd come up with another idea and another idea. And it was always, we're always flying by the seat of our pants. Stopping and creating a vision for the business. And by the way, for me, the vision, to answer your question, is made up of three kind of building blocks. One is purpose. Like, why does your business exist? So, you know, what what's your business here on the planet to do? Um, so our purpose at Expert Empires is simply we get experts' results. That is why we're here, to do that. And that's what we've been working on for many, many years. It's what we will always strive to do with our clients. Um, The second part of vision is mission. So this is more measurable. So we get experts' results isn't really measurable. Um, It's infinite, whereas um, our mission is finite. It's um, and by the way, our mission um, is to inspire and educate experts um, serving over 600 active clients in 2025. So we've got a goal in mind to reach 600 clients. We're just under 200 at the moment. Reach 600 clients um, by the end of 2025. And um, that's very clear. And we've got year-on-year plans for how how do we go from 200 to, five, uh, to 600. There's, build, there's stepping stones on the way. 
Um, and then the final uh, building block, if you like, or ingredient in vision, which speaks to the question you asked, is values. It's what are the standards that you hold yourselves to as a business, as an individual, as a business owner, as you know, what standards your staff commit to holding themselves to. Um, and so for me, creating our first version of that in 2013 was, um, wasn't easy. It was something that we involved our team at the time in creating. There was a lot of discussion, a lot of debate. Um, when we did that, um, within a month, I think, you know, there were a significant number of people that left the company because either it was clear that they didn't want to be part of it anymore, or it was clear that we didn't want them to be part of it. They weren't aligned with our values. So I think, I think having those values established is really important. Interestingly, and I don't think it's critical when you're starting from scratch, but I think it's crucial if you want to scale. Um, and so, you know, we, we did it probably a little bit too late. We were already kind of mid six figures when we did that work. Um, in fact, I think we might have even been pushing seven figures when we did that work. And really, I'd say if you're going to build a multi six figure business minimum, then it's crucial to have that vision, purpose, mission, values defined. And the reason it's so important is because um, it's all well and good having, you know, if you're going to scale, you need people, you need a team. Um, and it's all well and good, you know, giving those people tasks to complete. But if they don't know what that task in hand is contributing to long term, then, you know, it, it, it's meaningless. And so what you end up with, and a lot of companies have this, what you end up with is people that are there to do a job and get paid a salary, but there's no connection to the vision. So having the vision, having the core values established, um, making that vision, those values very clear from like literally it's it's in our job, our job ads. We're very, very clear. Here are our values. Here's our vision. Here's our mission. Here's what we're working towards. If you want to be part of a company like this, then here's a role that we've got available and here's what to do if you're interested. And then throughout the interview process, throughout the onboarding process, it's everywhere. Um, I'm sat here in my office and from my seat at my desk, I can see our vision poster, which has mission, purpose, values. We've got our values up on the wall everywhere. It's something we talk about day in, day out um, a lot. So that, again, it's not just something that we did once and then forget about it. It's something that's a constant. And it means that our team are all, it's always in their focus. And so, you know, there's a direct link from the task that I'm doing here and now to there's a higher purpose for all of this. Um, and there's a, there's a journey that we're on together here as a company, as a team that we're working towards. Yes, I'm, I've noticed the, the uh, rather dynamic posters of, of your vision, and it's definitely a talking piece for anyone visiting the office. Obviously, the reason we have, really, the reason we put this all over the office is for the team, so it's in their focus. But it certainly doesn't harm when clients come to the office, when they see what we're about and what we stand for and our goals and our dreams and all that sort of kind of great stuff. That It makes them feel like it's an environment they want to spend more time in. Um, and look, I can't measure this on a spreadsheet, but I'll tell you that since we, um, well, we, we moved into the, the building that we're in now uh, about three years ago, before we ran a lot of our events from hotels and, you know, what, uh, you know we, we'd, we'd hire training and conference facilities. And since we've um, 
taken our own premises to run our events from. We had a small office before, but since we've taken our own premises, so clients come to our office and see our environment, um, there's been a, a significant uplift, a significant increase, improvement in sales results. And I don't think we got any better at selling. I think people come and see what we've built and they spend time in the environment and they feel like they want to be around an environment like this more. Uh, and so, you know, by default, we seem to enroll more clients when they come to our events now than we used to um, because I think we're creating a, an environment that's more conducive to that. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you get the feeling of being aligned and definitely want to come along the journey yeah. with you. All right, so if you don't mind sharing in during your business journey, what's, what was your busy, biggest mistake and how did that or the lessons learned from it help you make the person you are today? Yeah, yeah, good question. I, th I think the one that stands out for me most, because, you know, as I've already alluded to, I, I think I was, probably because it's my background, I was quite good at sales and marketing. Um, and that's why we had a, you know, relatively, uh, a relative amount of success. Um, you know, we, we, we built from zero up to six figures within a couple of years, two or three years. Um, and, and so, you know, because I was good at sales and marketing, basically. Um, but in the early days, probably around 2011, 2012, um, I, I'd kind of, I think because I was good at sales and marketing, but I wasn't particularly well organized. Um, I, I probably failed to deliver on some promises for clients. Um, and I, I look back at that with, with huge regret and I don't think you should regret anything, but, um, even though I do look back with, with huge regret because like bottom line, people joined our programs, invested money with us and did not get good value. And the reason they didn't get good value is because I was rubbish at being organized and managing the customer experience. Um, and it was very painful for me. It was very financially costly to me. Um, but in some respects, so it is the biggest mistake I've made um, and probably one of the most painful experiences I've had in business. But on the flip side, it's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because, um, you know, now um, I, I genuinely believe that our mastermind program is the best mastermind program on the planet. Um, we, I believe that we deliver more value that we have more touch points with our clients, that we are more available than anybody else in our industry. And and that's all been created because of the mistake I made. It's almost like I've become obsessed with never making that mistake again. And so I bought, uh, and, and by the way, to be clear, I'm still rubbish at organizing stuff. So I didn't get any better at it. It just meant I became more conscious and more aware that it was important. And so, you know, we've built an amazing team of people who are um, incredible at that. They're great at organizing, great at systems and processes, great at serving clients. They live for that stuff. And so, um, yeah, I mean, even though it was a big mistake and a painful experience, personally and financially, it, you know, I'd like to think that over the last eight years since then, we've more than made up for it and, um, created what I do believe now is the best mastermind program on the planet for expert business owners that want to grow to six figures to seven figures beyond. Yeah, I think it's important uh, when people are scaling businesses that they, like you have done, is recognize the weakness and then 
recruit uh, people to fill that gap with different personalities and types to build a, a rounded team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, also accept that you're going to make mistakes. No one's perfect. You, you can't go through your business life getting everything right all of the time. You just can't. And so accepting that we're human and that we make mistakes, as long as we learn from them, as you said, you, you know, what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? I'm like, it was painful. It was a big mistake, but I'd like to think I learned the lesson because we don't have that problem anymore um, and haven't had that problem for many, many years. So I think it's, um, it's ex- also it's important for people to accept that you're going to make mistakes in business and that sometimes it's going to be really hard and not very nice. And you've got, sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say, I was wrong and here's what I'm going to do about it. And, you know, I think oftentimes we're so scared of getting it wrong that we get, we get paralyzed. We don't do anything. Um, I'd rather, you know, go, go all out and make mistakes as you go and then be, you know, be bold enough, be brave enough to hold your hands up and admit fault when it's there. Yeah. I think that's important to say, I've got it wrong and I've made a mistake and this is how we're going to put it right. I probably get things wrong and make mistakes more often than not. The difference is I'm I'm okay with it. And I go, right, as long as we don't make the same mistake again and again, that's just stupid. As long as we learn from it each time, we build a better business and provide a better service, a better experience because of it, then then we're on the right track. How important is it to uh, for you uh, when you're creating content and, and copy is to incorporate stories into uh, you, the things you're creating for marketing and sales? Yeah, extremely important. I think, um, again, um, based on mistakes in the past. So, you know, I remember um, there's one event in particular that really stands out in my mind um, that I ran years ago. I'm, I'm going to say 2012, around that time. And it was a great event. I, I You know, I, I delivered so much value, so much content, so much great information. And literally by the end of it, I think all I'd really succeeded in doing was confusing the hell out of my audience because there was so much information um, and it was quite, it was very scientific and dry and technical. And so like come the end of it, people were just overwhelmed, like glazed over um, with, you know, confused and, and actually using stories, regardless of whether you're talking about delivering training from stage as I did, or whether it's in copy or whether it's delivering content on video or even in podcasts, you know, I think using stories, anecdotes, and I've done that, you know, again and again throughout throughout this uh, throughout this interview, it makes the reason I do it is it makes the information you're sharing easier for people to understand and relate to. Um, so I think it's crucial. I think um, you know if you think about it, like you can tell people facts and information, but what causes us to listen, understand, and also feel emotion are stories. If you look at you know what. How do we um, how do we stimulate emotion, um, or what are some of the things that stimulate emotion in human beings? Like watching a great movie, you know, watching a great movie or a great TV show. You one minute you can be laughing out loud, the next minute you can be crying. Um, you know, it's like they're stories, and so using stories in your copy, in your content, in your videos, from stage, regardless of what you're doing, um, I think it's crucial. I think I think you have to have it there. Otherwise, you risk your, let's say, sales and marketing message becoming very dry and dull. So we'll start to wrap up. How has getting a puppy changed your life? 
<laughs> um, how has getting a puppy changed my life? So I've never been a dog person. Um, I've never had a dog before. And my wife really, my wife and my, my youngest son really wanted to get a dog. And over time, they kind of, they persuaded me. They, they ground me down over time, kept, kept asking. Um, and at first I was like, to be clear, this is nothing to do with me. This is not my dog. Um, and so, uh, it was Nat, my wife and Ty, my youngest boy. Um, it was like, this is your job now. Um, and of course, within about 30 seconds of us getting him, I completely fell in love with him. And it is very much like having a kid in that I love him. He winds me up and does my head in a lot of the time um, and frustrates me. And, you know, we occasionally bicker and fall out. Um, we actually did that last night, um, which I won't go into the story, but like, so, but it's, it's like having another kid. Um, I, I suppose the difference is like being a parent, you know, it, it's kind of like the stages are very drawn out over a long period of time. So, you know, you, you go from, well, first of all, you've got nine months to get used to the idea. And then, you know, they're babies for like the first year and don't really do much. And then you've got a whole next phase of being a toddler. And then, so it takes a lot of time. Whereas with, with getting a puppy, it's like that process is like really rapid. So they go from being like this tiny little thing to, you know, growing and, um, and being trained and all these things very, very quickly. So the, the, the change isn't as severe, but, um, no, it's, it's been, it's been great. Uh, you know, I, the biggest thing I'd say is when I've had a tough day and I've had a long day and I get home, it just, it's just a complete like pattern interrupt. You know, there's always puts a smile on my face whenever I walk in the door. That's great. That. And I can't believe I'm saying that as somebody that's never had a dog and never wanted a dog. Like, I'm now, like, championing getting a dog. Who knew? What question would you love to answer but no one's ever asked you? Oh, um, I, I'm re so first thing that came into my head, because, um, by the way, I, I've done a lot of podcasts and, and I get asked some ridiculous questions. So, like, one of, our, uh, one of our fellow members who you'll know, Ian, Paul Mort, finished his podcast interview with me for, by asking me for my all-time Aston Villa eleven. And I was like totally off guard and not prepared. Um, but like, the, I suppose the, th the stuff that I love talking about because I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I love talking about football because I'm a big fan. But like, um, I, I love, um, I love talking about clothes. I I'm big into my clothes, um, which uh, you probably, you know that in. So like, for example, earlier today, um, again, I know we're recording the audio, but you can see me on video. I've, I got a new hoodie on and somebody asked me like, Oh, where'd you get it from? And people don't ask me stuff like, so, you know, the question that no one really asks me is like, um, what's my favorite brand of shoes or, um, like jeans or shirts or whatever. So that, that kind of stuff, I don't know. I like talking about it. If I, um, it, it's, it's my thing. It interests me a lot, even though it's nothing to do with business whatsoever. It's important to uh, have that passion and love love for things outside business and it's it helps it's part of your brand yeah and by, and by the way yeah yeah it is it is for sure and you know when you know people that listen to this if you ever come to my events you'll see the full array of wardrobe that i like to exhibit like, like i say it's just my thing i enjoy it meets my needs i find it fun my wife's the same so you know we kind of connect on that level we go shopping together and it's something we can both both uh do together and enjoy um, so, yeah, I, th I think it's important to have stuff that's outside of business that fulfills you as well. Let's just uh, have a few quick fire questions. You can take as long as you want to answer them, but I'll try and ask them quickly. What's the littlest things that make the biggest difference to your life? The littlest things that make the biggest difference. Um, 
it's not a little thing, but the first thing that came into my mind was food. That's quite a big thing. But li- little things like what I eat day in, day out makes a big difference to my life, makes a difference to my energy. So it's like, for example, just having, I'll tell you something little that makes a big difference. Um, I always have food with me, healthy, nutritious food that's been prepared because if I don't, I either get really hungry and edgy. I'm not very nice when I'm hungry. Um, or I eat rubbish, neither of which is very good. So actually, little thing, every single day before I leave the house, I'll prepare my food and bring it with me. I never leave the, I never leave house without food um, for a significant period of time. And that little, that little daily discipline makes a big difference. What would be your dream holiday destination? Oh, um, I mean, I've been really lucky. We, we've, we've had some incredible holidays. Um, like I said, I travelled all over the world as a youngster with my mum. Um, for Tony Robbins seminars and stuff. Me and my wife have traveled all over as well. Dream holiday destination. I tell you what, for all the places I've visited, I've never been to Thailand. It's the one place I've never been, and, I, and people rave about it and say it's amazing. I've never been there. So I'm going to say um, maybe Thailand, although to be fair, one place that me and my wife have talked about going for the last couple of years, and we were planning on going this year, and then we couldn't, is uh, Maldives. Like having one of those cabins out on the sea you know that kind of gig so um yeah that, that's something that we we were planning on doing this year and we never we weren't able to because of covid so yeah that's probably our dream holiday since it's something we've never done two fantastic destinations there thailand and the maldives what w- would you like your legacy to be um yeah I, th- I think for me um being and I'd, I'd like to think we've made some progress into this already but um being the person that changed the landscape of personal development, training, events in the UK. I mean, that's it for me. It's like that, that's what I'd like to be remembered for, if you like. If you could have the power to change anything in the world, what would it be? Oh, um, that is a really difficult question. Like straight away, there's like a, a thousand different ideas in my head. Um, have the past changed anything in the world? Because, <sighs> like, you go, you know, there's there's all the the cliche answers. There's, you know, poverty. There's, you know, wars. There's um, all, all the isms. I think for me, that I think the biggest thing that I'd like to change because I think it's the cause of many effects that I just said um, is like mental health, mental health problems. People not having the either the access to or the knowledge of good mental and emotional well-being. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be around this stuff from a very young age, but I, th- I think there's a lot of people who just don't even know it exists. And even if they do, it's not accessible to them. Um, and it's why I love, you know, the, the fact that there's so many podcasts now that are available and they're free and, you know, it makes good information very accessible. And I suppose... My only, my only problem with that is even though such great information is so widely available for no cost, still most people don't take advantage of it. So that's the thing I'd change. Yeah, so true. Mental health is an important issue. It's an important issue. The problem is in, like, the information to solve the problem is there, but people aren't taking the chance. People aren't taking the opportunity. Uh, like, you know, somebody's got a mental health problem, straight away they're going to the doctor and getting 
drugs. And and look, I'm not saying that that's not, a, you know, maybe they should go to the doctor and get a prescription, but there's so much good stuff out there available free on YouTube, on podcast platforms, and, and, and people just aren't using it. Yeah, so true, so true. Finally, as you know, this podcast is called Coalface Stories. What does the term working at the coalface mean to you? Yeah, I, th- I think it's been, like, to me, it's like being on the front line. It's been, um, like, to me, my version of being at the coalface is like being on stage with clients, you know, doing it, not just theoretically talking about it, but actually doing, you know, practicing what you preach and doing what you say you'll do, um, which is one of our core values. We do what we say we'll do. And I think, I think being front and center of it, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of so-called experts out there that aren't practicing what they preach, that aren't doing what, what they say they do, um, as it were. So I think being at the coalface me, to me means, you know, I can talk about, um, growing a business cause I'm, I've done it and I'm doing it. <clears throat> I can talk about the problems, the challenges that come when you're scaling and a recruiting team and taking on fixed costs and premises and all those things. And, and investing in growth and, and all those things because I've done it and I continue to do it. So, yeah, that's what it means to me. That's great, that. Thank you. So how can people find you and connect with you on the various social media platforms? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, So I suppose the best place to find out more, go to expertempires.com. That's our website. So go to expertempires.com. You'll find um, free resources and um all the information about events that are run, et cetera. Um, the platform that I'm most active on is Facebook more than any other. I don't really do much on LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. So, um, yeah, Facebook, just search for um, Nick James and you'll find my page uh, or uh, search for Expert Empires Community. That's our free Facebook group. Um, and, of course, since you are listening to this, you're clearly an avid podcast listener. Just search on any of the main podcast platforms for the Empire Builders podcast with Nick James. Great podcast to listen and highly recommended. Thanks. And uh, I'll put all the links and things in the show notes for people. Amazing. Uh, so thanks again for being such a fabulous guest, and I hope the listeners have enjoyed uh, our little chat. Was there anything else you wanted to say or add for the listeners? That's it. Just um, thank you, Ian, so much for having me on, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I would love to think that we can meet in person sometime soon at one of our events okay that's it for today thank you so much for listening to empire builders please subscribe leave us a review on apple on spotify on other platforms and uh, share the love tell your friends remember till next time the more you connect the more you collect